From savannahnow.com, I'm Adam Van Brimmer, and this is The Commute. On today's episode, a Savannah neighborhood, Carver Village, is bracing for the opening of the M-Market Arena and the redevelopment of the property around it, the so-called Canal District. Carver Village resident Sherry Dean joins growth and development reporter Zoe Nicholson to discuss how the neighborhood and others near the arena and Canal District are preparing for things like traffic, disruptions due to construction, and gentrification. Today is Thursday, November the 11th, and this is the Commute Podcast presented by National Office Systems. The interview with Carver Village resident Sherry Dean is coming right up. But first, as I mentioned just a second ago, this podcast is blessed with a sponsor, National Office Systems. If you are a regular listener to the Commute, you know about Scott Center and his team over at National Office Systems and how they are Savannah's experts in office design and outfitting. They work with top quality suppliers, such as Dirt Modular Interiors, and Herman Miller Office Furniture to create comfortable and productive workspaces. Learn more by visiting www.natoffsys.com. That's www.natoffsys.com. Now, here's Zoe Nicholson's interview with Sherry Dean. Welcome to the Savannah Morning News Commute Podcast. This is Zoe Nicholson. I am the Growth and Development Reporter at the Savannah Morning News. And today we're going to be talking about Carver Village, a historically black neighborhood on the west side of Savannah that is bracing for some big change with the arrival of the in-market arena and surrounding canal district, which will bring trails, parking, retail, and more to the area. Today we're going to be talking to Sherry Dean, a Carver Village native who has a plan of her own to utilize a lot of the outside investments that are coming in and use it to lift up the neighborhood. So Sherry, thanks so much for having me. How are you doing? I'm wonderful, Zoe. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. So first, can you just tell me a little bit about your history with Carver Village? Yes, well, I'm a native, as you said, of Carver Village. I have lived there since day one. And I just remember living in a neighborhood where it was such a strong community. Everyone knew each other. I had family that lived on various streets. My godparents, we were all very close. All the ladies and the families that lived around us. It was a family-oriented neighborhood, and that's where I grew up. That's what I grew to love, and that was my foundation and really just gave me a strong sense of belonging and a strong sense of what a community was, and that's where I lived for first 17 years of my life. Great, and so you came back a few years ago to Savannah after a long career in the nonprofit field, so can you talk a little bit about the changes or the lack of changes that you saw in Carver Village and in West Savannah as a whole? Sure. So as you said, yes, I've I've lived all over the United States. I've even lived in a few other places abroad via studies when I've been in various programs. And I have a lot to compare. Savannah is a beautiful place. It's wonderful. It's my favorite place in the world. And I've been, as I said, to several places. So when I moved back a few years ago, I was so excited to see the development, especially in the downtown area, the River Street, and um, West Savannah, West Chatham. It's amazing. But when I went back to my neighborhood, everything looked familiar, and that's good and bad. The familiar part is that 
I saw some of my own neighbors, my next door neighbor, my cousins that lived out there, my God brothers that lived out there. That was all wonderful. What I did not see was development that I saw in other areas of Savannah. So the immediate question is, you know, really what's been going on? I know that there have been a lot of people who are committed to all of Savannah and all of our communities, and it definitely takes everyone's contribution. But why hasn't all the investment trickled down to a local, to a residential level? That was a question that I had, especially when I know that there have been many people in the trenches with those goals. So I just thought of, well, what could I do if I had the opportunity to think about a plan or think about a vision for Carver Village as a daughter of Carver Village, you know, what are my thoughts? And I just started putting those on paper, putting those thoughts on paper, and the plan grew from that. Great. So before we really get into the plan, Mm -hmm. I want to back up and talk about the history of Carver Village. Mm -hmm. It was founded in 1947, the first house, I know, uh, had its first resident the next year, and it was the first public housing subdivision for black people in America. So it was the first affordable housing subdivision for African-American homeowners in America. And so that is a huge history. I mean, it's rich history. And that's the foundation of why we're now known um, as a national landmark, mm-hmm. which is a huge accomplishment that was led by the Neighborhoods Neighborhood Association. And that's something that we're all very proud of. And, and when you think about it, of all neighborhoods in the United States, Carver Village is the very first one. When veterans returned from World War II, they were able to purchase these homes and um, continue to establish lives for them and their families. Yeah. Um, and I know you took me on a tour of the neighborhood, and, and I went back a few other times, and mm-hmm. a lot of that community, that tight-knit feeling is still there, as you said, in the neighborhood. So, you know, speaking of your plan, you know, it, it's a lot about preserving that mm-hmm. and also uplifting what's already there. So can you just tell me, you know, what's the name of your plan and, and some sure. of those big, bigger goals that you have? And I don't really call it a community plan. I mean, the initial vision for this, what we're talking about today, um, I thought of the initial, but there have been, there is, first of all, there's a neighborhood association with a plan that's been developing over the years. Um, and there's, you know, they continue to update that particular plan and are carrying out some of those strategies. And there have been others, you know, organizations, nonprofits, community organizations, um, leaders, you know, public and private, who have been very much involved in making things happen in the neighborhood. So it's really a community plan, and I would like to think of it as a collaborative effort to keep that ball rolling. Um, But as far as... So, you know, I know that you have four or five kind of major sections. Can you go over those sections and, and what they mean in reality put into action? So, Zoe, the initial vision was that we want Carver Village neighborhood to provide vitality, stability, and sustainability for the current residents, and for me, most importantly, the future generation. We have a lot of babies um, that are being raised just like I was being raised, and we want Carver Village to be a neighborhood where they can thrive and they can be proud of. So the plan addresses several areas. 
One is acknowledging the history. Mm -hmm. We were named after George Washington Carver, and I must say, I did not know that initially. Right. It took, you know, and when I, as I've been speaking to other people, they didn't know it either. So that's a huge legacy mm -hmm. that we should be proud of and that should be known and acknowledged. So acknowledging the history, not only of George Washington Carver, but so many that have also been brought up in Carver Village and who have major accomplishments from their own businesses to bankers, doctors, lawyers, teachers, principals, nurses, law enforcement, what you have. There's a rich history. So that's one. The other is investment, really understanding what needs to happen to reverse the disinvestment trends in the neighborhood. The other is conditions. And I understand there's individuals working on this because, of course, the Savannah Arena is next door. And, you know, the adjacent neighborhood has been a part of the master plan for the Canal mm -hmm. District, but really understanding what those conditions are. And when I say that, not only a neighborhood assessment, but mm -hmm. an asset-based assessment to know that we can, what we can leverage to actually improve the stability of the neighborhood. So we want to understand that. We want to understand what will it take to make our streets, the streets safe for okay. pedestrians and for bi bicyclists, mm -hmm. for those walking their dogs, for the daycare center that's on the corner of Bowden Street, going mm -hmm. to the park that's at the end of that street. So that's definitely. We also want to have connectivity to what's happening with the Canal District and opportunities. So, for instance, there's going to be a career fair coming up soon, mm -hmm. a job fair. We want to be able to tap into that. And when I say tap in, it's really not enough to make an announcement or put it on Facebook. Right. We need to really make sure that these details reach residents at their homes. Mm -hmm. So we need to find a way to do that better. Uh, we also, as part of the plan, um, we want to improve the way this neighborhood looks. And I know right. we're going to talk a little bit about that. And that was my initial impression. You know, it, the neighborhood hasn't changed that much, mm -hmm. but the appearance has, and it's not as, right. as great as I would like. As far as community, we want to improve and promote a sense of community. You know, one of those, the strongholds, when I think about myself as a child in the playground and the thrill lady and, you know, the urbans where we used to go and get pickles. And, you know, we want to create a sense of community. You know, we have the Carmelville Stallions. You know, I want to go to their game. You know, I want them to have community support. Not only that, we have businesses in Carmel Village and business owners, and you'll know it through by driving through the street. And I find that that is really rich because we have a lot of skills. Or do they have the support needed to actually grow their businesses? So that's another area as far as community and then engaging everyone. And there are a few priorities because I know that's a lot. Mm -hmm. When you think about the priorities that I personally would like to see and others that I've spoken with and spoken to many individuals um, who are stakeholders, who are friends of Carver Village, the Neighborhood Association, the Neighborhood Association President, etc. What I find as priorities would be the neighborhood cleanup, improving the image. And the reason why we want to do that is because a neighborhood symbolizes the hope and the expectation of those that live there and those that visit there. You want to have neighborhood pride. So neighborhood cleanup to me is number one. The other is thinking about the people, you know, the youth, senior citizens, workforce. Those are three big buckets that we can have really rich programming to improve
improve the lives and make Carver Village livable. Of housing, and I know so many people are working on affordable housing, not only in Carver Village and the greater West Savannah, but Savannah as a whole. But what type of innovative programs and best practices have been employed in other areas that we could use here? For instance, workforce, workforce housing. I was told um, just this week about um, some of the homes that are close um, to Bay Street that were originally built for those working on the railroad so many years ago. I didn't know that. You know, can we take that simple idea and maybe we have workforce housing for those that are in industries very close to Carver Village. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the hospitality industry comes to mind. Teachers, you know, many the of our teachers, are just, the ports, mm-hmm. right? So first responders, mm-hmm. and, that, and there's a several reasons why we would want some first responders in the neighborhood. So that's definitely an avenue, as well as affordable housing for first-time homeowners, renters that are on a plan to move into their own first home. So there are a lot of ideas around that. Also health. And when I think about health, Zoe, think about access to healthy food, access to health clinics and services, even if it's on a mobile basis, community gardens, and there are many um, of community gardens that are propping up around Savannah. How can we bring that to the neighborhood? And I know some of these uh, um, ideas have been discussed. A lot of ideas have been discussed, and so we really want to make sure that there's a collaborative effort to, to, to develop these strategies and turn them into action items that we can look back on and say that, you know what, you know, 10 years from now, that little toddler, they really have a place that they can call mm-hmm. home and be proud of that. And then connectivity is important. How do we connect to what's happening around us? And then how do we connect to each other? And how how um, can information reach the individual neighbor? You'll be surprised. There are a lot of people don't know exactly what's going on or they may hear rumors. To me, that's not, um, that's something that's, um, that we can resolve mm-hmm. just by giving the information to each neighbor. Excuse me, sorry to interrupt. Adam Van Brummer here again to remind you about your go-to stop for Savannah news on the web these days. Yep, savannahnow.com. Want the latest on the Coastal Empire Fairgrounds future? Well, go to savannahnow.com. What about those traffic cameras and school zones? savannahnow.com. How about this weekend's high school football playoff games? You got it, savannahnow.com. Our website and mobile app are your connections to the issues and happenings in our city. You can get full access to our digital content for just $1 a month for the next six months. Go to savannahnow.com slash subscribe now and sign up. Again, that's savannahnow.com slash subscribe now. Now back to Zoe Nicholson and Sherry Dean. If you're listening right now and you're thinking to yourself, well, that's a lot. What is it this plant touching? And that's kind of the point um, and something that I found in this reporting is Carver Village geographically has been disinvested through what the Canal District Master Plan that the city drew up calls, I'm doing air quotes now, transformative infrastructure projects. So that looks like the I-16 ramp and then how I-16 cuts right in between Carver Village and Cloverdale. It looks like canals and the ports and warehouses and parking lots. So it is really isolated from a lot of the rest of West Savannah, and that isolation has led to disinvestment which looks like 
you know, sidewalks are very patchy. And where there are sidewalks, they're not well maintained. You know, there's a lot of waste in the streets. There's dumping spots. Uh, the playgrounds could see a little bit TLC. Um, and so that is why this holistic approach um, is really needed, because if you just fix one thing and ignore other issues kind of harming a neighborhood, you're not solving really anything. Is, is that accurate? Absolutely. I agree with you 100 percent. Yeah. So um, and then in terms of, of that, um, you know, disinvested neighborhoods plus this big million, $50 investment of the arena. Those two things, um, you know, we've seen this time and time again across the country in the southeast and even here in Savannah will lead to gentrification and displacement of natives. So, um, you know, that looks like the arena comes and then the canal district comes and then a hotel is built. And then maybe there's a brewery or a coffee shop and property taxes start rising and, uh, People who have called Harbor Village home for decades are no longer there. So can you talk a little bit about, I guess, how raising quality of life or leveraging these investments can help slow down or stop displacement of locals? Well, sure, I can give you my opinion. I'm Mm -hmm. definitely not an expert on that, but we've seen it happen in major cities. And now, you know, in cities the size of Savannah, and when I think about gentrification, my next thought is, how do we preserve the neighborhood for those that are living there? You know, what are those practices as far as neighborhood preservation that's widely known um, that could help the neighbor, the fabric of the neighborhood remain the same? And I believe that growth is great. You know, I believe that the opportunity to bring services to Carver Village, conveniences to the area, um, health clinics, it, all that's wonderful, but how do we also preserve um, the fabric and make sure that those that want to maintain their homes and their livelihood can live there? And in Savannah right now, I mean, there's a wonderful, you know, um, East Side United uh, Purposeful Community that's happening on the East Side of Savannah. I love that entire program. I've been hearing a whole lot about it, and hopefully. You know, some of those practices, if not a purposeful community, can be, you know, something that happens on the west side of Savannah. Also, if everyone feels that it's a great idea and agrees and there's alignment collaboration. Yeah. Um, but right now on the east side, some of what's being considered affordable housing, that number has changed. Mm-hmm. What I've heard is $200,000. Um, and if that is considered affordable housing right now, you know, those that might have to sell their homes in Carver Village, you know, I think right now the market value is about 125000 Where are they going? Right. So that's what we're talking about, you know, where they're going. And if jobs are in the surrounding area, if they move further west, how will they have access to employment in order to have that quality of life that you said? So, therefore, it's an issue, and I don't know the answer, of course, but there are a lot of smart people in Savannah, and I believe that we need more neighborhood participation in some of these conversations so that everyone can understand what the stakes are and perhaps plan for that. At a a recent Neighbors Association meeting, there were individuals that did not know about the Stephen Day Bill. There were individuals who are confused about homestead exemption. You know, these are some basic 
policies that everyone, especially homeowners, should know about and should be able to leverage. Now, I know that there is a plan for um, the Neighborhood Association or those in the neighborhood to have another clinic like they've had in the past, but we have to make sure that the neighbors actually know about these opportunities, these clinics, and that they come. You know, we have to motivate change even in those neighborhoods, you know, in those neighbors. Mm -hmm. Motivate change. And so that's another thing. When you talk about generational poverty, when you talk about the lack of economic mobility, you know, I believe that there's generational knowledge that has not been passed down because maybe it wasn't, you know, that's what we need to prove upon in order to change those attitudes and beliefs so that everyone will feel more invested and involved and not have that sense of, you know, hopelessness that mm-hmm. whatever is going to happen is going to happen anyway. So why do I need to participate? Yeah, it takes participation and mm-hmm. it takes, you know, everyone just really advocating um, individual and as a community. Right. And um, speaking of participation, there are two things that you mentioned that are coming up that I want to put out there for anyone listening or if you think anyone might be interested. Uh, In-Market Arena is having a career fair at the Carver Village Community Center. That's at 905 uh, Colot Street and Colot Avenue. And that is Saturday, November 6th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Saturday, November 6th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. And you need to wear a mask. And then um, Sherry has helped put together a Carver Village trash pickup day. And that is November 13th, Saturday, 8.30 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. I'll be there. Sherry will be there. I'm sure a lot of neighborhood faces will be there as well. Um, And Sherry, can you just talk a little bit about the event? Absolutely. So this event, um, we've had a series of neighborhood cleanups. We have several partners. Healthy Savannah is a partner. Um, Bike Walk Savannah is a partner. United Way is a partner. They, we have a, a volunteer page listed on their site. Uh, their Savannah Police Department is a partner. They're going to be out there um, helping to um, clean up City of Savannah, of course. And I must say, Ms. Carla Spates has been just amazing in helping us plan. And um, Alderwoman Lanier has been a part of our committee. She will be there. Um, Chester Ellis. We have the school support. Um, we have neighborhood. Um, so, therefore, it's a collaborative effort. Right. So many right. of us will be there. And the reason why we're doing this is because, like we said earlier, if you have trash, bottles, paper, litter all over the neighborhood, it really um, does not symbolize a community that is thriving, and it symbolizes really hopelessness. And so we want to really instill neighborhood pride. So we'll be out there. Um, everyone, you know, is, uh, you know, ready. We have supplies. We're going to have lunch afterwards. And we want to be able to sustain this effort. So we're, we're going to clean up. We're going to pick up litter. We're going to have volunteers and neighborhood folks out there helping us. But how do we keep it clean? How do we, what policies do we need to enact um, to discourage the habitual dumping that takes place in our neighborhood where we live, where we walk our dogs and our, our kids go to the park to play? You know, we want a safe place for the seniors to come out and be able to walk down the street and feel good about their life, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's many reasons why we want to have this cleanup, and we definitely would love to have support we have. Um, if you are a United Way volunteer, please visit the volunteer page at unitedwayvolunteers.org to sign up. 
Um, you can also go on Facebook, and um, there's a sign-up um, information there, and uh, we would love to have everybody out. Great. Well, Sherry, thank you so much for agreeing to speak with me. And um, I'll just, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to do this as a journalist, but I'll just put it out there. If you're someone who maybe you've lived in Savannah your whole life or recently moved, but the only view you have of West Savannah is driving over I-16 or driving down Louisville Road, I would encourage you to come out to this event and see what is so amazing about this community because it's, I'm getting teary-eyed just thinking about it because it's so tight-knit and there is just such a love that I think it's lasted even though the government has disinvested and done a lot of things to make the neighborhood look as it is, but the feeling is still there. Um, and so I think it's it's definitely a community worth saving, and I think um, the people are optimistic. If, if that's my take in talking to people, I don't know about you. That's my take, Zoe. Yeah. Great. Well, isn't it nice to write about something uh, nice every once in a while? <laughs> um, well, uh, thanks again to Sherry Dean. And um, if you guys want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, I am at, at Zoe Nicholson underscore on Twitter and at Zoe Nicholson reporter on Instagram. And I'll post information to both of those events on those social media profiles. And if you have other questions that you don't feel like airing or grievances you want to air, you can email me at znicholson at gannett.com. That's Z-N-I-C-H-O-L-S-O-N at G-A-N-N-E-T-T dot com. This is Zoe Nicholson for the Commute Podcast by the Savannah Morning News. Have a great day. That's all for the Thursday Commute Podcast. Thanks again to our presenting sponsor, National Office Systems. For more interviews with local newsmakers, check out the Commute Archives by searching The Commute with that Savannah Opinion. We'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Thank you.